Quincy, before we get into today's episode, let's talk about pre-game routines. I know a lot of players these days like to get a haircut or have a shave before a big game, make sure they're uh, nicely groomed before they run out onto the park. Did you have a routine like this? Absolutely, I did, mate. You know uh, what they say, look good, feel good, play well or play good. I used to, uh, yeah, I've given a bit, a bit of a trim, neck hairs, things. I just feel really smooth. <laughs> I think it's that aerodynamics, mate, just feeling really, really fresh, ready to go. So I can absolutely go out there and run, uh, run my backside off. So just going that extra, you know, 10% confidence um, that I was prepared. But Harry, in today's game, there's, there's more to pre-game grooming than just the beard. That's right, Ramsey. With the amount of running that these players do, chafing can come on easily. So below-the-waist grooming is an absolute must for the modern-day footballer. But if you're going to trim downstairs, you need the right tools for the job. That's where Manscapes come in now. It's Manscapes are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0, great name, Ramsey, is waterproof and also has a 400k LED spotlight for a more precise shave. It does get dark downstairs, Rain Man. Well, I like the Lawnmower. And join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off plus free worldwide shipping with the code one on one. That's O. N-E-O-N-O-N-E. Head to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code. Let's get into it. You're listening to the one-on-one football podcast, the number one podcast for Aussie rules, training, coaching, and development tips. When you get injured, they throw you in a swimming pool and then all you do, stare at this black line and you swim back and forth and all you've got to think about is your injury. You just get so internal. I don't know how swimmers do it. And because I played in fullback, because I stood in the goal square most of the time, the cheer squad of the opposition cheer squad would be into me all day. <laughs> I'd use body spoiling as one of my best assets. Um, yeah, I'd punch it a lot. But it was actually the way I used my body. I'd almost mask it a little bit where I had my arm out straight to, to pretend that I was trying to punch it. But it was actually the contact of my chest hitting their body and, and knocking them over that helped me um, spoil the ball. Okay, everyone's training, doing this much. Okay, what more can I be doing? Which I'd hit the coaches up because in the end, when you're playing, you're competing against the opposition, but you're also competing against your teammates to keep your spot. I think Rui kicked yeah. fair few that day. Rui kicked nine in my last <laughs> Kicked nine on me. So probably after the game, it's like, yeah, it's probably his time to, to hang the boots up, I think. And that was this week's guest, Daniel Merritt. Welcome to the one-on-one football podcast. My name is Andrew Rains, founder of one-on-one football. And always, I'm joined by my co-host, Harry Simington. How are you, Simo? Rainsy, we've uh, just finished recording the episode with uh, with Dan. It was a, another great episode. We're just speaking off air about, um, I guess, the the variety of different personalities that we've got on the, um, that we've had on the, on the podcast. And he's uh, a very laid back, but also attention focused um, sort, sort of guy, yeah. and we sort of dive into how that sort of helped him as a key defender. And obviously, he was one of the uh, one of the league's best key defenders during his career. Was a bit of a cult figure at the Lions, and we sort of talk about the uh, the famous YouTube video Source Squad, which was a bunch of uh, young kids following him end to end as a fullback to uh, to watch him watch him play, and he was giving the crowd, but plenty of crowd interactions. So um, 
yeah, a bit of a bit of a cult figure. Rainsy, what were your you obviously played with um played with Dan up at up at Brisbane or um you, you guys have that uh, you grew up together, I believe, as well, um on the Gold Coast. What are your memories of um of Dan as a teammate? Yeah, it, it, oh, a great teammate. He shared probably a similar sort of ferociousness and um ability to we we talk about in the podcast too to 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 never give up in terms of um wanting wanting to beat your opponent, direct opponent. We we're both sort of big on that. So we we shared that sort of common um characteristic on, on field and then away from the field we had a lot of great memories it was actually a really good bunch of us that are, are really good mates um there at Brisbane played together um you know obviously Dan um Matt Maguire Joel Paffel actually all defenders um so we, we stick we stick pretty tight still and and um and 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 catch up when we can obviously life's pretty busy now but yeah great teammate um and and a great mate too so it was yeah, amazing to have him on Absolutely, and and what are some of the um some of the I guess themes that the listeners can look forward to in today's uh, episode? Yeah, just again, so the the ability to sort of want to beat your direct opponent, um, and that mentality around that, and and also trying to be the best out of yourself. And Dan touches a lot on not just doing the set program that if it's if it's an injury or or a skill acquisition to to what it's prescribed, um, to actually go over and above and seek extra, um, you know, expert advice, which we're which we're big on um, here, no doubt. So that's that was really good advice. Um, the big one for a key defender is uh, knowing where their opponent is at all times and the ball, so not getting mm. um, uh, that percentage uh, wrong or that ratio um, the other way around or, or, or lopsided. So not having too much watching the ball too much or not watching your opponent too much, just getting that balance right. Um, a really good uh, couple of tricks and tips about being a, a key defender and what you can use, and that's the, your power position about being lower. Like he, he mentions a lot about... Being high um, as a tall person, being a key position player, you know, you're supposed to strut yourself and be high and try and mark and all sorts of stuff or, or to spoil. He said it actually comes from your low base. That sets mm-hmm. you up the foundation to be able to do, complete that mark or spoil. So um, I really enjoyed some of these tricks there and, and some also some other little, um, you know, defenders, key defenders, um, you know, tips and tricks, which was, which was great, mate. So, yeah, plenty in the podcast as you always. Um, and without further ado, this is episode number 24 with Dan Merritt. Dan, thanks for joining us, mate, and welcome to the one-on-one football podcast. Nah, thanks for having me on board, boys. Um, Rainsy, I suppose, how long ago did you start this up, mate? Um, uh, about four, I think it was four years ago. I think we were one, yeah, of, one of the first yeah. on there, Brizzy. And- 100%. And, um, mate, doing great things. Um, I think every time I've been out there and done a bit of one-on-one coaching, it's amazing um, what a kick the kids get from it. Mm. And, um, yeah, just that ability to, to get that one-on-one coaching from, um, I suppose, if I was a kid growing up and then I got interaction with a um, with a, an elite sportsman and, mm. and even, you know, even an, uh, an elite coach, um, yeah, it'd be an absolute wrap. So, um, mate, well done on, on bringing, it, bringing it to life and, mate, thanks for having me on board. No, no worries, uh, mate. Thanks, thanks for uh, jumping on board, mate. And, uh just want to talk about give the or give the the guests or sorry the the listeners a bit of a uh, an introduction to our guest. So, mate, Gold Coast boy, um, not a traditional AFL background, um, and obviously late to the game, and then and then made your way through the the um, the pathways, which we'll go through shortly. But um, our relationship grew up um, both Gold Coast boys probably got to know each other around that sort of 16, 17, or you were seventeen, I was probably sixteen years of age um, and then probably had uh, probably had ten, eight, ten years apart and then reunited again at Brisbane and 
So for the listeners out there, good mates um, and wrapped have Rogers, he said before um, on the on the podcast. But mate, give us a bit of an update on your on your life um, to now and sort of what you're up up to these days, mate. Yeah, so retired in 2016 um, after 200 games with the Brisbane Lions, and um, probably made made my my career as um, a bit of a dour defender. Um, wasn't super skilled or super fit. Just a bit of a competitor, mate. So, um, and and in a, in a game where you're meant to, you know, mark, catch, kick goals, I I, I pretty much just punched it. So, um, I made a career out of that. And then, um, yeah, re- retired in 2016. And then, um, interesting, mate. Yeah, probably another topic we can talk to another time. But yeah, interesting, interesting transition, mate, out of football. Um, and obviously. Sammy Fisher's been in the news this week, but yeah, it's always interesting coming out of the game and then trying to find your feet again. And um, lucky enough, I had a good friend, David Lake, get me involved um, in his company to sell sports apparel for a couple of years. And then I went, wanted to get back into footy. So um, got involved with the Brisbane Lions again, and I'm, I'm in their commercial team now. So um, yeah, I helped them sell their corporate facilities, signage and sponsorship. And um, as an ex-player, um, yeah, it's a very good space to be in. Um, yeah, just being able to still be in contact with the club, but um, you also get that corporate side of things where my main role is sales um, and anyone that's worked in sales, if you can um, talk talk and build a relationship, well, you're in sales. And I think we've all... Even though I, I went into the job thinking I'm, I'm not a salesman, um, mate, we've been selling, we've been selling our whole life. Uh, if, if if anyone out there is married, um, you're in <laughs> well, no, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, um, very good, very good, mate. And uh, yeah, I reckon you have look, obviously being mates and keeping in regular contact, you probably um, have really landed on your on your feet and, and and got the role that you probably deserved, and now building from that. And I think um, yeah, it's an interesting topic too. Probably could could talk all day about that transition of AFL, but it feels like for me you've, you've really landed in something you're passionate about now, which is great. Um, and I think he's talking himself down a bit, Harry. Um, <laughs> he was – and he wanted to play 200 games. It can do a bit more than sports. 200 on so, the dot, I think it was. Um, Dan, is that right? 200 on the dot. And I was there for his yeah. last game. Yeah, it was, it was one, to, uh, one to forget, the last <laughs> game, Harry. I um, played St Kilda down in Melbourne, played on Nick Rewalt. I think Rui kicked for uh, yeah. that day. <laughs> Rewalt kicked nine <laughs> in my last game. Kicked nine on me. So it's probably after the game, it's like, yeah, it's probably his time to hang the boots up, I think. So your opponent's kicking nine on you. <laughs> no, that's a, um, oh, inc- yeah. incredible career nonetheless. Obviously, 200 games. It's um, yeah, very impressive um, to, to build that sort of uh, legacy at the, at the Lions. But, mate, take us back to your childhood for a second. Um, I understand you moved from Adelaide to Gold Coast, um, when you were a kid, how, how would you describe yourself as a um, as a young kid? Were you always sports obsessed? Um, how did you get into footy? Yeah, so grew up, yeah, born in Adelaide, and then uh, myself and my mum and my, my older brother moved moved up um, to the Gold Coast after my parents split up, and then yeah, probably having red hair and freckles, <laughs> Gold Coast wasn't the best grow, best place to grow up, to be honest. Um, the the heat up there is a, is, a, is a lot, and um, even going through high school, like um, you know, if I was a young girl, what what would I be looking for in a young kid? You know, going through high school, would it be you know a tan surfy kind of dude, or 
<laughs> I already had your freckles. So um, tough, tough times, Harry. Tough times. <laughs> um, but, the bottom. <laughs> but um, no, I was probably I was always wanted to play professional sport, um, and I used to love my cricket, and I used to I grew up playing rugby league actually, and but as as and I'm sure kids out there probably reach that stage around that 13, 14 when kids hit puberty. Some kids grow, some some kids don't. And I I didn't. I was a bit of a late bloomer. So I was playing rugby league and, man, um, there were some big boys in rugby league. Mm-hmm. So um, I used to just get absolutely annihilated around that 13, 14-year-old. And to the point where one day I got knocked out um, as, as a 13-year-old and then, yeah, I, I never played league again. So... I was lucky enough. I went to Benoa State High School on the Gold Coast, and um, yeah, they had sports excellence in volleyball and touch football. So um, instead of doing maths and science in school, I did touch football and um, and and volleyball. And but to be honest, I did do maths and science as well. So um, that was a fib. Um, but yeah, I, I did those subjects, and yeah, I, I just I loved it. Um, to, to stay as active as possible. And then, yeah, it's probably year 12. I had a good mate, Mitch Ryan, who was my mate all through high school, loved his footy and, um, yeah, played for Service Paradise Demons, which is literally a stone's throw away from my high school. And I went down there to, to watch the, my mates play on the weekends and then one day they were short, so I joined in. in and that was about halfway through year 12. Um, and the, within... I was lucky enough. They had, they started doing some really good programs in Queensland around there, where they were doing this like rookie search, um, where getting guys from other sports involved. And there was a couple of other guys that got involved in that, um, like Jesse White, um, Brad Moran, Kurt Tippett, um, around that same time. That all went on to play AFL. Um, but yeah, lucky enough to be the right place, right time, and got involved in those sort of programs and made my way through. The local rep team, state team, and then end up getting drafted within eighteen months to the Brisbane Lions um, in two thousand and two. Um, so my first year was two thousand and three, when they won their third premiership in a row. So um, it's funny. I, I look at a lot of kids now that come into the system, and and they almost demand to play straight away. I didn't play my first game until my third year. At the club, so a um, couple of years in in the reserves. To be honest, I wasn't that good, so I wouldn't have because I got drafted on potential. I wouldn't have got a game anyway. I don't think not even if it was the last. If it was the last um, team team on the ladder, so um, yeah, it took, took a couple of years to get to get firing, and then um, yeah, lucky enough to play in two thousand and five. <clears throat> I'm probably going on a little bit here, but yeah, once once 2005 kicked on, I don't know if anyone remembers that the Lions won from 2001 to 2003, lost 04, D Merritt plays in 05 and they were terrible for the next, (laughs) you know, 10 years until I retired. In 2016, and then they started yeah, coming. Yeah, they're good. No, we won't yeah, draw anything. So I've got a bit of theory. I've got a, I've got a bit of a theory uh, with that, mate. I've got a similar thing with Richmond. Join the club, pretty bad. Leave five, six years later. No, you set them up for the pretty rebuild. Good, I reckon pretty good team. And then, and then the Lions leave. 
couple of years later, start playing finals, and then uh, and then probably leave the academy, the Suns, and uh, I'll probably put, go and play finals soon too. So maybe maybe it's just us, mate. Oh, mate, I'm sure there's a few hard luck stories out there. Probably get Richo on board. We'll get get the big Cho involved. We had him, we had him last week. We, uh, <laughs> the week before, yeah, so he was the one before. So good timing. We actually discussed a fair bit of that. It's only played yeah. two finals. So how many finals are you in that play, mate? Uh, I played two finals as yeah. well. Two well, I played zero, so you got yeah. me there. So um, I think, um, yeah, it's, I mean, on a serious note, I mean, it's, 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 you just want to play one AFL game, but, you know, getting to a club and it's successful is, as uh, as Brisbane were, mate, I think um, it's it probably set you up for um, you know, the play you were, and and talk us through a bit of those early days too when you sort of got to um, um, Brisbane. Yeah, obviously, man, what a lineup, hey! Like, I, I think back and gone, man, I should have got a few more jerseys signed. Um, because on every line, I I swear every player in the team had played two hundred games. Yeah, like if you go through it. Like Bradshaw, Lynch, Jonathan Brown, Craig McRae, um, Luke Powell was playing forward, like that Sean Hart, and then in the ruck, you know, Craig is Keating and Black Voss, Ackermanis, Lappin. Like it was just insane. Backline, you know, Mal Michael, yeah. Lepich, Daryl White, Chris Scott, Brad Scott. Like it was just, yeah. mate. Oh, Ash, Ashcroft on the wings, hanging out in the hot, in the hot dog stand. But- <laughs> <Possibly>. <laughs> Nah, just joking. Um, But, yeah, it was interesting because it was like, it's that whole thing's like when you go through high school or whatever you do, you surround yourself with successful people and it rubs off on you. So I was so fortunate. I got to to live with Nigel Lappin when I first came to the club and then I surrounded myself. I hung around with him. Uh, Luke Power, Simon Black, as much as I could. Like we, we had a, a younger crew there. Um, like I got drafted the year I got drafted. Troy Selwood, Anthony Corey, and Jared Brennan were, were my year. So um, you think those guys, like Jared Brennan, probably played over hundred games, but the other two didn't. But yeah, I I just looked at that older guys, and it was like, man, I just got to hang out with them as much as possible, and hopefully some of their Talent rubs off on me. Um, and then I had, um, yeah, guys to look up to like um, Alistair Lynch and Jonathan Brown and Mel Michael and Justin Leppage as key position players. Like, yeah. not many, too, too many better. So that was kind of my um, my thing growing through. And I was, I was lucky as well because we had an assistant coach called Johnny Blakey, um, who's now at North Melbourne. And he he had all the time in the world for me, so I um I stuck pretty close to Johnny, and we, and we would just you know after training away from the group, just sit there and kick footies. Um, because I had to do a fair bit of work on my kicking and, and my skill work because I was late to the game, and yeah, it's that whole like I'm sure we've all read the book Outliers. It's just that ten thousand hours, and it's just how quick you can get that ten thousand hours in um, to become a master at anything you do. And there's no secret why Michael Voss, Ackermanis, Simon Black were the players they were because they were always the first at training and they were the last to leave. And even if, you know, as a young kid watching on, I tried to get there earlier and leave later, they'd always they'd always beat me at that as well. So, um, yeah, it it's that whole thing where you see 
um, Rafa Nadal or Roger Federer, like why are they so good? Like you, you just see the end product, but the amount of time and hard work that goes on behind the scenes, all the public sees is the end result, but it's it's literally, yeah, the hours you put in yeah. and yeah, you, you get it back. For sure. And you certainly mastered the um, the art of being a, a key defender and the, the golden fist like we spoke about before. To the point where you became a bit of a, a cult figure at, at Brisbane. Um, there's an interesting video on YouTube called Source Squad. I don't know if you've seen that one, Dan. He remember oh, it. Man, I show that to him. <laughs> yeah, of course. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll link that <laughs> in the show notes as well, so everyone can watch. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, what was going so, on that one, Dan? Um, yeah. So basically, as a as a professional footy player, anyone goes to the footy, new shout out, rain. Hey, Rainsy, get a kick, get a kick your mug. And then Rainsy just jogs on, you know, pretends he can't hear you. He can which, hear you. Which like, um, so if you yell out to the players on the field, they can actually hear you. Like mm. there's a bit of crowd noise, but they just Especially generally- when you're close. Like if you're near that bench, yeah, I always sit in a fullback. get a hurled across the, when you come off your rotation. Or, yeah, you get a fair bit at fullback, wouldn't you? Yeah. And because I played in fullback, because I stood in the goal square most of the time, the cheer squad or the opposition cheer squad would be into me all day. <laughs> all day. And then, so I just got to a point where I was like, I can actually hear you. Like, like I, you don't have to shout it. I can actually hear you. And I'd just always give them the thumbs up. Or if someone, like, was a bit mean, I'd eyeball them um, or, and just give her a thumbs up. And then, yeah, well, down it, was, it was a preseason game, so nothing too serious. But there was these kids in the crowd just going, "Hey, Zorko, give us a wave!" or "Hey, Richie, give us a wave." Boys giving them nothing, giving them donuts, and then it was like, "Hey, Sauce, give us a give us a wave." So I just give them a thumbs up, and then there was probably a group of about fifty of these kids. So then they started cheering more, and I just kept giving them thumbs up, like, "Yeah, good work, boys, thanks for coming," and they loved it. And then they just started these outrageous chants like um yeah like merit we love you like they were just like it was like one of those soccer crowds and they just had all these chants where they'd put your name into it and then when i changed ends luckily no one no one was at the game was at metricon they followed me from end to end um and yeah to the point um they became the source squad and um they're actually from melbourne so um yeah, they're from Western Western Melbourne. Um, there's like a little footy academy out, out that way. I wish I could know it off the top of my head, but yeah. And then when we played in Melbourne, they came to a few games as well. So oh, yeah. um, good kids, but it's that's, I don't know. I, I probably, I wouldn't have done that early in my career because um, I'd be worried about what people thought yeah. of me. But as yeah, later in your career, you just think, you know what, like I, that fan engagement, it means yeah. so to the supporters and yeah i was just you know i always gave a thumbs up or yeah try to give back to to the supporters as much, much as i yeah. could even if it was a wave or, or whatever no, that's good unreal yeah great story and uh remember seeing that too the, the i actually thought they were local gold coast boys it must have been a big fan of yours mate but um good to good to know they came from far and wide so i just want to talk about uh topics of setbacks um in your career and it's obviously a big topic with young footballers these days um, when they go through sort of um, you know, injuries and setbacks and, and, and adversity. Um, so obviously through your career, mate, um, a few injuries. One that stood out for me was the, the stress fracture you had in your back. I think you were fine. 2011, 2012, that? 
Yeah, two thousand eleven. Man, was on fire. Was actually yeah, first, fire, first yeah. ten rounds. I've got the first ten rounds. I think you're winning the BNF. I think you still came top ten in the BNF that year, um, and only played ten games. So it just sort of shows this sort of year. It would have probably gone on. It'd been all Australian. Um, how did you? So that that was one sort of setback, and then you obviously had to come back from that, and then obviously multiple injuries or, or you know fluctuations in form from that. What? How did you overcome these challenges along the way? And any, I mean, there's no one set way, and there's no rule book, but for our listeners out there that going through sort of could be similar things in their junior careers, um, what sort of things did you do, mate, to overcome those yeah. challenges? Yeah, so with injuries, like, yeah, you do feel um, very secluded from the footy team and you do feel on your own because um, a lot of time you spend in rehab on your own, you know. It's funny. It's like when you get injured, they, they throw you in a swimming pool and then all you do oh, is stare at the stare at this black line yeah. and you swim back and forth and all you've got to think about is um is your injury. And it's like, whoa, like you just get so internal. Um, so anyway, I I don't know how swimmers do it, but um what what I try and do is like in the end, control what you can control. And that's like that's that's life pretty much. Like just control what you can control and that's your rehab. So you can't control the injury you got, but right, how do I get myself back as quick as possible? Um, and how can I do this um, rehab as best as possible? And I used to use that as a bit of a challenge because they'd always go, oh, it's an eight-week injury. I'd be like, I'm getting back in six. Like, mm-hmm. I'm getting back. I don't I don't care what the physios are saying. I'm getting back in six. And then on top of that, what I used to do, wrong, wrongly or rightly, I'd say, okay, the physio, you're doing this much. Like, you're treating me, this is your plan. Okay, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I know the normal the normal person is doing this much, like, to, to stick on your plan. What what else can I do? Like, because I, I just want to be doing more of what um, everyone else is doing. Yep. And I used to, that's how I used to think about my footy as well. So I was like, okay, everyone's training, doing this much. Okay, what more can I be doing? Which I'd hit the coaches up because – in the end, like you are competing for your – when you're playing, you're competing against the opposition, but you're also competing against your teammates to keep yeah, you right. Um But back, back towards the injury, um, I always used to go, righto, then I'd talk to the to the doctor. I'd go, righto, doc, what, what more can I do? Like the physio's giving me this. What, is there anything else I can be doing? And then it was like, um, all right, who else is out there? Who else has had this injury? Like, is there anything more I can be doing um, to get back quicker, get back stronger? And, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that, yeah, I was doing everything possibly I could, um, yeah, over and above of what everyone else was doing. And that was pretty much how I thought about my footy because, um, yeah, in the end it's like, I'm not going to be playing this game forever, so um, let's make the most of it while I'm here and and go 100 percent in. And it, it was it was funny. It's like when you play footy, it's such a balance between. All right, this is um, you play footy, professional sport, but you've got to be doing something else, right? Because mm-hmm. you, things aren't going your way in in professional sport. It can consume you. It can control your whole life. And I was, so you should be doing some study or doing some other activities outside footy. 
And but then the other side of me is like, well, why would I? The energy I'm wasting on that outside activities or study. What if I use that to actually make myself better in my sport? So like, do I go a hundred percent in? I'm all in. Like everything I do is that. And you, because I don't know. In the end, I know this isn't going to last forever. So. Yep, I should have been planning for the future, but you know what? Like, I'm all in now. Like, it's a fine balance, isn't it? Like, yeah. And that's probably that's the, unfortunately, Sam's been the, the highlight of the, the headline this week or last week about the um the transition out of the game, Sam Fisher, and, and we were just discussing a whole another topic on that, but it's that's sort of what they're promoting to do. But then as an athlete, you're like, well, I'm, I'm all in, and if I'm going to get the best out of myself. But then it's just fine, that balance too, because I think you can – it's like oh, Harry and I talk a fair bit about sharpening the axe, and that's that's about you know the axeman that can, we've mentioned a few times in the show, the axeman that goes out there and continually smashes his axe, and he gets blunt by the by the end of it. Where the guy that might might throw the the uh, the axe down a fair bit, but then goes away and sharp, sharpens it, and then goes again, he's going to be more efficient cutting through that wood. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the, the balance of, of athletic development, and athletic mindset about having. You know, when when it's on, it's on, and then obviously having that time. But I reckon um, your time away was obviously with your music and stuff like that. You used to you used to get into that. Probably took you into another space or another mindset, which probably helped. You know, the the pressure in that footy might not been during injuries, but maybe the pressure and things like that with um with your footy. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Like with your downtime, what what you what are you doing with your downtime? Because yeah. yeah, you're right. I probably. Even though I was like 100% into the footy, I still, yeah, had my downtime with my music and whatnot. So, um, too fresh. But it's up. like, I think, what, I know what you mean. Like, when it's on, it's on. And if I'm doing my rehab for whatever, if it's eight hours a day or whatever, I'm, I'm completely in. There's no, there's no, there's no yeah. uh, shortcuts or anything. I'm, I'm all in. And yeah, it's a good mindset to have. Yeah. It's, um, it, it obviously becomes an obsession. And that's like, and I think that's if you see any elite athlete, that that's what they are. They're obsessed yeah. with that continual growth, continual improvement, because it never really ends. Like you, you look at Tom Brady. Do you, like, is he ever satisfied? Like he, yeah. <laughs> like he wins, right? And he goes, like, oh, unbelievable. Um, yeah, that was great. But mm. I, I just want to keep winning. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it never, yeah. it never actually stops. And it's funny, like. In my job now in sales, it's it's exactly the same. Mm. You, you get a big win, you get, you get a big sale, a big client, get them over the line. Like you celebrate it for like five minutes, and you're on right. Where's my yeah, next one? On. Yeah. Like yeah. it just never it never stops, and that's the same yeah. with yeah. professional sport. Yeah. And and with that mentality that we're talking about during your injuries, that that what else can I do mentality. That's probably quite rare. I think you know you'd, you'd find you'd find a, a few players that obviously invest in their career, but not to that extent. Do you think that was something that was innate, or did you learn that that um, that desire to to add one two percent? I don't know. I I think it's like um, yeah, just asking questions and being inquisitive. Like it's probably being injured. <laughs> a few times where you, you sit there and internalize and be like, I, I, I know where it, I actually know where it stems from because in my second year of football, I got glandular fever. So, um, and I got a 
pretty bad. Like I wasn't the fittest guy anyway, but when I would try and come back from getting glandular, like AFL's an endurance sport and glandular fever is fatigue pretty much. So when I would try and come back and run, every session I did was an endurance session and, and just I'd get so fatigued and it it'd put me back to square one. And I ended up going around in this like groundhog day for like six months um, in my second year of footy, like where it was like every time I tried to exercise, I got more tired. So I'd rest, start to feel good, go and exercise, and then be back to square one. And it and it was like, okay, the I'd go see the doc and the physios and, and it'd be like, no, nah, you just gotta you just gotta rest. Like that's glandular fever, you just gotta rest. Um, and yeah, slowly does it. And I was like, surely that's not the only thing I can do. Like, surely there is other things out there. And then that's where I started like looking into, um, alternate medicine and bit seeing a naturopath, um, where it was like, right, oh, natural and herbal remedies. Like what, what surely is something in this space that, um, that will help me. And I went and sent an acupuncturist and, and a naturopath and kind of got that got me back on track. And then yeah, I was I was able to actually start exercising again. So it probably stemmed from it stemmed from that situation where um what they were medic like modern medicine just wasn't getting the job done. So it was like, right, what else is out there? And and then I kind of used that through my whole career. Yeah. Well, it's just it's a great example. It's, we talk about it all the time with our with our footballers, um, and on this podcast about just doing the extras and probably not taking no for an for an answer or one person's opinion. You know, it's yeah, take control of your career. And if you're doing exactly what everyone else is doing and you're checking and doing exactly what they're doing, you're going to be the same as them. So, you know, those extra steps you took to take place. No, no wonder you went on to play the the games you did, mate. So, um, which is obviously a credit to you. Uh, mate, on this show, we try and focus on, um, you know, ex- getting experts on in a particular field or skill of the game. And there's no better um, person to have on with the golden fist, mate, and uh, your ability to defend and spoil the ball, as you said before, but also your closing speed too. I think um, uh, you probably left it out too before, mate, when you pumped yourself up. But um, the uh, I think he holds a record still, Harry, for his 20-metre sprint at the club. What was it, Source? It was two, two points. Six, Two, six, eight. eight. That's good. I think he's got Acker covered. That's a dangerous so, combination, speed and, yeah, and the fist. Got, got Acker covered. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't like that. <laughs> Can we put it out there? Has anyone run faster than 268? I, I just want to know. I don't think they have. Harry's in the S&C field or the athletic development, so I'll give you a bit of the homework there, Harry. But, um, put the call out. That comes along. Yeah. We, we actually – the Lions have a young Irish kid, um, Jimmy Madden. And at the that international um, draft camp, ran a two six nine. Jimmy Madden, right? Just, so I just let I, every time I walk past him, go, Jimmy, you're quick, brother, you're quick. But, uh, <laughs> just yeah, not quite. You know, two six eight. <laughs> oh, great. Um, Let's go. No, ex- and and no, on a serious note, obviously, it, it made you the player you, you were, and it, as you said, Harry, dangerous combination, which is which is great. So you obviously had the athletic, um, you know, capabilities to be able to do what you did with spoiling your body pressure and stuff like that, but. Was there any sort of drills or, you know, sort of key defenders work on uh, to get better in these areas or is it just practice? I mean, you mentioned earlier you played on, you know, training. You would have the best in the league to play on Brownie and um, and big guns, Bradshaw and Lynchy and players like early in your career. Um, give us a bit of a rundown 
for our listeners on on sort of how to sort of focus on being a really good key defender in the, in those areas? Yeah. So um, particularly when I'm coaching uh, a defender, almost my number one advice is that in a contest, um, what forwards do, right? So if a ball is coming in long or even if it's a hit-up lead, they lead up and then when they go to mark the ball, they actually slow down to steady themselves. So whether they, you know, take a couple of steps and jump into the ball or just um, just slow down a little bit just to get their hands out in front and, and, and take that mark. And what I used to do is I used to ex- accelerate into that contest. So I'd use body spoiling as one of my best assets. Um, yeah, I'd punch it a lot, but it was actually the way I used my body um, in the contest as well where where the the forward would take a couple of steps and jump into the ball and slow down a little bit just before the ball comes so they can mark it. Um, I would actually accelerate into that into that contest where I, I could be five, you know, five, six metres behind, um, but I was able to make up in that last few metres into the contest and use my body um, to knock the knock the player mm-hmm. off off balance, and usually they'd um, they'd drop the ball. I'd I'd almost mask it a little bit where I had my arm out straight to to pretend that I was trying to punch it, but it was actually the the, the contact of my chest hitting their body and and knocking them over um, that helped me um, spoil the ball a lot of the times. Um, another thing with um, key, key defenders is or defenders in general is that if in like a lot of the times knowing where your opponent's super, super crucial, um, obviously, but um, in a contest, you think if you're a key position, usually your forward's quite tall as well, where you have to be tall to punch the ball and, and, and get the ball. But when you're in the contest, um, it's actually your ability to stay low. Um, Cause when you're low, you're strong. And it's all about um, the strength of your, your legs and your hips. And it, in the contest, you stay low and strong. And then um, once you have that position covered, you can move your opponent around and out of that drop zone. And then once you can move him out, then, um, yeah, you can influence the contest. So a lot of the times people stand up really tall because they think I'm a tall guy or my opponent's really tall. I have to be tall. And um, where the, the the position of strength is actually bent knees and and low, where you can start moving moving your position around. I reckon he yeah, mate. That's absolutely that's probably the most detailed answer I reckon we've had on the show. That's um, that's awesome. It's we, great. Obviously, that's a that's a that's a lot to 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 think about. And obviously, you've had enough experience to um to understand these concepts. But is there a defender that you modeled your game off and you, and you learned some of these? things from or was it purely just trial and error and develop your own sort of technique to, to put those forwards off? Nah, um, probably my best um, line coach, assistant coach was Justin Lepich. Um, when he'd finished, um, he was, yeah, he retired and came straight into coaching, was my defensive coach. Um, when I first kind of transitioned into playing playing defence and um, I think it shows that his his work at Richmond, he's an absolute 
um, master at that technical defensive stuff. Like, um, be interesting to hear um, Rancy, um, what Rancy says about Lep as well. But I just think technically Lepper was like unbelievable and um, taught me like a lot of that technical stuff around your body position, um, use of your arms, um, like, yeah, another one is like while you're in that lo- low position of strength, um, being able to shift your opposition's body weight, all it takes is like, um, yeah, a little, a forearm, like it's hard to describe over a podcast, but a forearm underneath an armpit yep. or your, you're actually your legs, if you can get underneath their legs and it, it's funny if you can get lower than them, you can move them off off their line. And a, a, a lot of the great defenders, before the ball even gets there, they've done all their work. Like um, they've moved their opponent off the line. They've pushed them under the ball. Um, they've stopped them being able to jump at the ball. Um, like I know we'll look at some stuff on Aaron Norton later. Like if I was playing on Aaron Norton, number one thing you do, don't let Aaron Norton jump. Like have you ever – I, I, I was going to say, have you ever seen Aaron Norton take a test <laughs> on the ground? But I actually saw him take one last week. But, like, I would wrestle him. It, it's like those guys that jump, like, just hold them down, wrestle them, work them under the ball. Like, do you work early. Yeah. And that's that's a little slogan we used to have, do you work early? Like, it's, it's, it's like the guys that lead up a lot, all right? If a guy's going to lead up on you all day, um what are you going to do if, if the guy's going to let... – <laughs> if there's a guy, sorry, guys. Right. Um, if there's got a... some, some uh, yeah. craft there, mate. I know, mate. He needs it. Um, yeah, if there's a guy going to lead up on you on day, would you play from behind? Hmm. No, because what's he going to do? He's going to lead up. So what do you do? You get in front, all right? Block his leading – block his lead. Um, put some body pressure on him because generally the guys that lead up all day are a bit lighter. Like I look at Fritch, Fritch, Fritch mm-hmm. is it, um, from Melbourne Deems. I look at him and go, he's so skinny, but he just gets so much space and he just leads up on blokes or jumps at the ball. I'm like, can someone please put some body on this kid? <laughs> it like, does my head in a bit too, mate, because you and I support, obviously different positions, but we both had that um, ability to be able to defend and, and play play on someone um, that was our, our role in, in terms of the team. And it does my head in too. I watch so much footy these days and, and – the, I don't know if they don't teach them all. They're more in, entrenched in the game style that, or the, the you know the numbers from behind are pressing and guarding space. It, it does my head in a bit too. But you, you're right. Just that body pressure and being ruthless in defence and not wanting your player to get get a touch. It's simply what it comes in. And someone's yeah. a mindset thing too. So you've covered some incredible technique stuff. Someone's it is a mindset uh, thing too, isn't it? Oh mate, hundred percent. Like in the end, what. <laughs> What happens? What happens in the game? Like you can, you know, if you got a guy that's a really good player and moving around a bit, you can put a bit of body on him. It's bloody tiring to do that yeah. all day. So how, like, it unless you're committed to it, you're you're not going to be able to keep that up, keep that up all day. I remember um, when I playing on Jack Rewalt first quarter, he would buzz around mm. like a like a madman, um, and you. And used to terrify me, thinking, "Man, I can't keep up with this." I, but all you had to do was weather the storm, mm. just hang in there, put some body pressure on, 
keep him keep him honest. And you know, by the by halfway through the second quarter, he stops buzzing around and mm. um, you can kind of control him. But it's that whole thing where, like you say, it's that ruthlessness to say, um, "Mate, I'm I'm not letting you get the ball all day." Mm. Like, and it takes a special. Like that's why that's why I love defenders. Is like that's mentally tough to say. I have to concentrate, and for a tagger, like mm. man, ta- you have to concentrate all day. It's not like you can switch off, go hunt the footy yourself. You know, it's all day concentrating relentlessness and ruthlessness um, to stop your opponent getting the ball. And, mate, not, not everyone can do that. Uh, spot on, mate. Spot on. Some, some good stuff there. Um, and I'm sure our listeners get a lot out of it, especially our up-and-coming, uh, developing keys, um, key defenders. Uh, mate, and the move, so you did play a fair bit of, bit of forward line too, especially um, later in your career, a bit at the start, a bit later, obviously, in your career. Um, no doubt a challenge. Um you know, moving from back and forth, being thrown around. Obviously, I was playing with you a fair bit there and it did do your head in a bit sometimes. But obviously, you did the role pretty well too at the same time. You went forward and, and kicked goals and, and played a pivotal role for the team. Um, do you have any advice for players that get swung a fair bit, um, you know, sort of from game to game or whether it's quarter to quarter? So advice, A, for players and then B, actually for coaches. Is any no-nos for coaches going... If you think about swinging a player every quarter, don't do it. Or if you think about doing it every week, don't do it. What, whatever it is, have you got some advice there for both the football and the coach? I think from a player's point of view, it's like, okay, learning about, say you're a defender and you get swung forward is like, um, okay, what did not like, what did not like, or what, what did the other forwards do that I didn't like? So yeah. it's like learning from the opposition you played on. And that, that's what I did when I went forward. I was like, I hated when a forward did this or did that. Um, and so I learned from that. And then it actually helped me when I went back as well because it was like, okay, what are the forwards? If I was a forward, what would I want? And then just try and take that away. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? And then I like – and then I was I – was, it's funny when um, – if you're a defender for a while, like I reckon you've, you've obviously been burnt you're just keeping things simple right like Uh, it's that whole i just gotta lock my player down kill the ball kill the contest like just keep it simple keep it keep it locked down where if you're a forward and you go back you just get this sense of freedom you're like Mm. oh my god i haven't got a bloke pushing me around like um if i was a forward and i went back i would play my if i was yeah if i was a forward and went back i'd play my forward off his back shoulder so i could see um see my opponent see the ball Mm. right because that's the worst thing as a defender when you don't know where your opponent is and you don't know where the ball is you're like where am i like you're in this you're you're in a spin so or or your caravan flipping that in your caravanning then you're gonna get you know if they laid up on you that you're gonna get yeah well you're just being dictated to um so if you can see your opponent see the ball, you're in the best position. Um, so if, yeah, if I went back, that's what I would do as a starter. And then, like, just back yourself. It, it's funny when you see the the young um, the young backmen that come in or guys that have played forward and went back. Um, McCartan from Sydney, mm-hmm. like, he's been a forward. You like I think, is he, like, he'd be up there almost number one in set marks. marks. So he yeah. backs himself yeah. in. Um, he has this sense of freedom about him, so um, yeah, that that's how that's how I would play it, and then keep backing yourself with marks because 
um, yeah, you start taking intercept marks, it's it's a it's definitely it's a deadly weapon because um, you can launch your offense from there. From a coach's point of view, it's probably not f- yeah. Probably one of the frustrating things from a player's point of view is if you flip them, flip the magnets around too much, um, where you're going forward and you're going back, you're going forward, I'll throw you on the wing. Now, you know, and as a player, you just, you, I reckon you can sense that. You can sense, man, you're getting desperate and, mm, yeah. and you're, you've, you've run out of ideas. And mm. like, as a player, you're, man, I don't know what's happening. Um, generally, uh, footy players, we're not rocket scientists, you know. Yeah. Keep it simple. Um, and so, so it's yeah, got to be a bit more strategic, probably. So you sort of go, okay, well, so if you if I'm coaching, you go, hey, Sauce, I'm going to play you, yeah. uh, you know, couple couple yeah. weeks forward. Um, we've got this opposition coming up, um, you know, and get your head around it, and then so and then we we'll look. To, obviously, you're a key defender, you're a number one defender. Then we look to maybe put you back. We just got in some injuries at the time. I th- think that's what happened at Brisbane too at the time. But you probably want to try and get away from flipping too much. Yeah, or even like it's going to happen in games where you might have a key forward go down. You've got an abundance of defenders. Like, mate, just push forward. But then just tell them to keep it simple. Play out of the goal square. Um, yeah. From a structure point of view, you know, don't get too critical on where, where they're setting up from a structure point of view. But then, yeah, if you do flip them forward, then don't go and flip them on a wing or then, you know, flip them in the ruck. Like, just, yeah, I think flipping stuff around and giving the opposition different looks is a, is a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, just, yeah, keep, keep it simple from a, from a player's point of view because, mate, if you feel like I, I know, like if you feel the um, feel the players' heads with too much, they just go out there overthinking yeah. the game where um, footy's meant to be fun. It's meant to be free and, you know, it's an instinct game. Mm-hmm. So... Just keep it simple. Keep keep have a little bit of structure, but let let the players do what they do, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And 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 let them enjoy it. Go from there. Now, last one, mate. Before we get into the vision, just on a coaching um point of view with yourself. So post career, going into a bit of coaching, more of a sort of part time role with the AFLW and men's program. Actually, we've got in our in our notes here that you you did coach took Stars as a Role one day and, and coach the uh, the Lions AFLW team. Oh, yeah. Head coach you had to, didn't you? You had to bring resulted in a draw. So Dan's win loss ratio head coach stands at zero zero one. That's very rare. I, I can't take that one. That's Harry's uh, producing notes there. So um, yeah, have have you found are you coaching that sort of level? And then obviously on our platform too. Um, you know, with the one on one stuff. I think you mentioned earlier you're enjoying it. So coaching overall, mate. But about the coaching earlier, yeah. So. Craig Starsevich hit me up about, um, uh, yeah, to coach the AFLW. Like 2017 was when I um, first year of AFLW, and I, I was like, oh, I don't think so, mate, because I haven't heard anything of it. And then I thought about it, and going, you know what, let's do it. Like Stars is an awesome guy. Um, got involved, and man, what what an amazing, what amazing. Um, time that was for me to be involved but just what an amazing competition mm. that that it brought and and now you see so many um girls playing local footy but then even what the competition's become now it's like mm. yeah it, it was a great experience to be involved in and it's funny because i also was so i did a bit of part-time work with the boys as well just around um key position 
um, key position, you know, defending and, and, and stuff and coaching. And the girls are so much easier to coach than the boys. Like the, the boys, you know, a lot of the times I'd get like 15 minutes at, at the end of the session and they're either like too sore, um, you know, too too busy. Not listening, or, not listening. Yeah. Or, yeah, or just not listening where the, the girls – at that stage, when I first started, had had never had a one like one on one coaching or yeah. technically never been taught anything. Um, was, so yeah, they they just absolutely frothed. Um, yeah, g- getting coached. So it was it was a bloody amazing experience. And um, I think we we spoke about earlier about um, you know riding that wave of success and being involved in s- successful teams. So I coached the girls for four years. We made the first two grannies. Um, in the AFLW competition, we made the first two. We lost those. Um, and I, so after four years, I quit. And um, in the fifth year, the girls actually won it. So oh, it when, I was, when I wasn't involved, oh, setting the foundation. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Let's bring it down to definitely. I'm feeling. I'm feeling there's a bit of a jinx uh, being involved. So if you want to win anything. Um, yeah, don't don't get me involved. No, so, well, corporate. But, that's why a corporate role is good for you now, mate. You can sit in the box and have a few beverages and watch it win. Oh, and maybe is, the Lions will get a grand final victory. So yeah, hopefully, mate. Hopefully, this is the year. Um, I definitely, when I'm sitting in the grandstand, um, enjoying a few beverages, I definitely don't miss miss playing football. No, that's you for don't. sure. Definitely not, mate. Um, <clears throat> thanks so much for your time um, today. It's obviously been. Great insight to, to you as a person and uh, and obviously your career and then um, and some specialty sort of craft skills there with your key position work and being a, a great key defender that you were. Um, really appreciate your time, mate. No, no worries, boys. And, um, yeah, obviously with with the key defenders, ultimately all you got to do is make it hard for your um, your opponent to give you a goal. He wants an easy day out, right? He just wants... You know, he just wants to stroll out in the field, um, brush his hair back, <laughs> uh, pull his socks up, and you know, have a super easy day. And your job is to make it hard for yeah, him. So, yeah. what, whatever. Like a lot of times, I come against you know opponents that were way better footballers than I I'll ever be. But it's all about just making it hard for yeah. him. Um, I wasn't ever going to stop him, but I just had to make sure that. Um, every time I was in a contest or every time they went near the ball, Mate. I made it as hard as possible for them. Yeah, so um, all the best. Good stuff, mate. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Sauce. No worries. And that brings us to the end of the main episode. But Dan actually hung around for another 15 to 20 minutes to help us break down some defensive craft in detail. This week, we dissected some recent clips of key defenders, Jacob Wiedering and Sam Collins. This bonus segment is exclusive to Footy IQ members. So if you're a member, head over to the Insights Library now. You can find the video in the folder named Positional Craft. And if you're not a member yet, you can either follow the link in the show notes or just Google Footy IQ. We're the first website that pops up there. Um, And you can start a seven-day free trial giving you instant access to this bonus clip with Dan Merritt plus hours of more content like it. Give it a crack. If you love footy, you won't regret it. Thanks for listening to the one-on-one football podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay updated on special guests, new episodes, and more, please subscribe to the show on your chosen platform. 
And finally, if you have any questions for Rainsy or myself, or you want to get a particular guest on the show, please reach out. Our email address is podcast at oneononefootball.com.au. Thanks, guys. We'll see you for the next episode. Now, Harry, before we finish up, we need to say a huge thank you to our friends over at Manscaped who recently sent us both uh, the Manscaped Performance Package. Inside the pack, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, and a bunch more cool products. Mate, what are your initial thoughts? Well, Ramsey, I'm not sure about you, but before I received the performance package from Manscaped, I had a drawer in the bathroom containing a million different shavers and trimmers from over the years, all tangled together with charging cords and old razors. It was an absolute mess. And as you know, Ramsey, I like things to be in order, everything nice and organized. So I'm pleased to say that I've finally thrown out all of that in that drawer and replaced it with the very sleek Manscaped products, as you can see here. Have a look at it. Nice and sleek, ready to go. Uh, for those who can't see us, we're both holding up the lawnmower 4.0 right now, and it's safe to say that it's a very classy-looking tool. But it's not just the looks that we uh, that we look for the lawnmower 4.0. It's waterproof, which means you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. And of course, there's a cutting-edge ceramic blade to help reduce grooming accidents, thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. And there's a 400k LED spotlight for more precise shave. That's right, Ramsey. Take control of your grooming. Replace that messy bathroom drawer with the classy performance package from Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code one-on-one. That's O-N-E-O-N-O-N-E. 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Give it a crack.